Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Well, praise the Lord. Welcome to Wednesday Night United. I'm so glad that you came to church tonight. We're going to get into some good things from the Word of God and believe that uh, the Lord's going to speak some more wonderful things to us uh, as we continue on this series that we've been on, what Christmas really means in this season of Advent, uh, leading up to, uh, uh, obviously, the day that we celebrate as Christmas and the, the, the day that we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. Uh, before we get into that, I want to thank everyone for your prayers for Miss Liliana. She... Uh, is actually just before we came in, before I came in to minister, uh, I received word from Pastor Michelle. They are in the car and on the way home from the hospital. Uh, she went into the hospital last Saturday and was released today. And uh, the Lord's been faithful. And so we're, we're very thankful. Thank you for your prayers and your agreement with us. And uh, we believe God uh, to continue what uh, he started. Amen. And so what Christmas really means, uh, this is our third installment of this, and we're going to be dealing with tonight the pre-existence of Jesus, or the pre-existence of Christ. And John chapter 1 is where we want to begin, and we dealt a lot in depth with this last week, last Wednesday, uh, especially from John chapter 1, and we dealt with... uh, Jesus being God. And you'll remember uh, that we talked about the uh, statistics that 53% of evangelicals that they polled, they made the statement that to them, they said Jesus was a great teacher, but he wasn't God. And 53% of them said that was a correct statement. And so what we did was we spent last week looking at all the scriptures where Jesus said, uh, that he and the Father were one, that he was God, these different, these different statements that he made. Tonight, we want to deal with his preexistence. And John chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So we see the Word with God, and the Word was God. Now, that's that, that word with, again, it's a word that, that means face-to-face. All right, Jesus and the Father, in the beginning, they were face to face. Uh, They were always with each other. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then verse 14 says, the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And so we made the statement last week, that it says in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then verse 14 says the Word became flesh. So if the Word became flesh, God became flesh. All right? And so here's the the thing that I want you to see. God has never not existed. In the beginning, God. All right? Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. In the beginning, God. So what that's saying is, 
whenever the beginning was, God was there. All right? Hallelujah. Now, this is important because if the Word was with God, then the Word was with God in the beginning. And if the Word was God, the Word was God in the beginning. Now, in the book of Micah, chapter 5, and verse 2, we're going to start with what is probably one of the most popular Christmas card scriptures that uh, people use. And in Micah chapter 5 and verse 2, it says, But you, Bethlehem Ephrata, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth unto me that is to be ruler in Israel whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. Whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. So Jesus' birth in Bethlehem is considered to be one of over 300 Old Testament prophecies that he fulfilled. All right, there are at least 300 Old Testament prophecies that Jesus fulfilled. And this is one of them. And aside from the wonderful prophecy concerning the birth of Jesus in this verse, there's something more profound, in my opinion, than the prediction of where Jesus would be born. All right, it says that, out notice, he said, though you're little among the thousands of Judah, out of you shall he come forth unto me, that is to be ruler over Israel, whose going forth have been from old, from everlasting. Hallelujah. So the last part of this verse speaks of the very nature of who Christ is. Right? It speaks of the very nature of who he is. It speaks specifically of two things. His preexistence and his activities before being manifest in the flesh. His preexistence and his activities before being manifest in the flesh. If you remember uh, uh, two uh, weeks ago, we talked about, uh, excuse me, last Sunday in, uh, in the Kansas location, we talked about how that Jesus was manifest in the flesh. So this verse talks about uh, his preexistence and his activities before being manifest in the flesh. The phrase from everlasting, it says, notice, whose uh, uh, goings forth have been of old from everlasting. The phrase from everlasting means this, from the days of eternity. All right? So his goings forth have been of old from the days of eternity. Or from the time eternity began, his goings forth have been. Now, hallelujah. One commentary put it this way, the Jameson Fawcett Brown commentary. They put it this way, that the terms in this verse, they convey the strongest assertion of infinite duration of which the Hebrew language is capable. 
all right? We're going to read some more here. But so what it's saying is that this is saying in the strongest possible language, in the Hebrew language, it's describing the infinite or infinite duration of Christ. In other words, he's always existed. All right? He's always existed. In the beginning was the Word, Christ. And the Word, Christ, was with God. And the Word was God. In the beginning, Jesus was face to face with the Father. Now, it goes on and says, Messiah's generation as man coming forth unto God to do His will on earth, if from Bethlehem, but as Son of God, His goings forth, are from everlasting. So it's saying that it speaks of his generation as a man from Bethlehem, but as son of God, his goings forth are from everlasting. So in these verses, Micah refers to two things, a future birth, but he also refers to ancient activity. Future birth, but ancient activity. So that means that long before Christ became flesh in Mary's womb and was manifest in the earth, he had been active in his pre-incarnate state. Hallelujah. So he became flesh in the womb of Mary, but he had always been active, always existed. Now we read John 1, 2. It says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All right? John chapter 1, verse 10 says, the world was made by Him. All right? Let's, let's look at that, John chapter 1 and verse 10. Because I, I, I want you to see this. He says, He was in the world... And the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. The world was made by him. So, ever how long ago the world was created, the earth was created, you know, whether you are what people call a young earth person that believes the world's, you know, somewhere between uh, six and 7,000 years old, uh, or whether you believe that the, the, the earth, the world was created, and then uh, uh, there was an uprising of Satan and God plunged the earth below the face of the deep and it could have been millions of years old. The, the, the reality of it is this, is that is less important as this. Whenever the world was made, Jesus made it. Because the Bible says the world was made by Him. Do you see how people get off the point and they'll argue about how old the world is? And the age of the world, the age of the earth, is less important than who made it. Jesus made the world. Amen. See, that's a faith issue. If Jesus created the world, if Jesus made the world, there's nothing Jesus can't make. There's nothing Jesus can't create. He's always been active. All right? In uh, Colossians chapter 1 and verse 16, the Apostle Paul <clears throat> makes a statement concerning this very thing. 
that's one of my favorite descriptions of this in the Bible. And it says, for by him, Christ, were all things created. And then it says that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible, invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And for clarification, you can read it this way. For by him were all things created, things that are in heaven, things that are in earth, visible things, invisible things, whether those things be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. So think about this. If Jesus had not preexisted with the Father, how could Paul's statement be true? It's true because he preexisted with the Father. And the Bible is full of what we call theophanies. T-H-E-O-P-H-A-N-I-E-S. Theophanies. All right? Theo, meaning God, where we get our word theology. All right? Uh, theo, meaning God. All right? And then theo, theophany. Theophany. All right, uh, uh, it, 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 it means a appearance, all right? It means an appearance of God, an appearance of Christ. Now, there are several in the Scripture. Let's look at some of them. So we can track through the Word, His existence and His activity all through the Word of God. In uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 4, Talking about the children of Israel, it says that they did all drink the same spiritual drink. And then it says, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. That rock was Christ. And when it says that rock that followed them, uh, uh, it's, it's a statement that means that went with them. So this rock went with them. Now, there are people that would teach that this was an actual physical rock, and that actual physical rock followed them through the desert. Well, whether you believe it was an actual physical rock or not is, is not the point. The point is Paul said that Christ, notice, it says that Christ followed them in the desert. Followed them in the wilderness. The word followed it implies he attended on them to minister to them. Hallelujah. So Christ was following the children of Israel to minister to them. Hallelujah. This is so important. Because he was the one that made rivers in the desert. When they needed something, it was Christ who was with them presently helping them overcome and giving them what they need and suffering long with them. This is, one of, this is one of the main theophanies that we have in the Scripture. So the children of Israel were not just in the desert, all right, going about their business without any interaction with Christ. One of, one of the things that he did in his pre-incarnate state was travel with the people of Israel in the desert 
And the Bible says he ministered to them by meeting their needs and that that rock that they drank from was Christ. Hallelujah. Glory to God. In uh, Exodus chapter 3, we see something. It was Christ who spoke from the burning bush. In Exodus chapter 3, I want you to see this. Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. Now Moses kept the flock of father of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. Now, there's two things to see here. First of all, just by way of recognition and, and way of clarity, you know, people will talk about the burning bush. Well, but the Bible says that what caused this was the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. So it wasn't just a bush on fire. It was the angel of the Lord appearing out of a flame of fire in the midst of a bush. Second thing, notice, the angel of the Lord. Almost everywhere in Scripture where the phrase angel of the Lord is mentioned, it's a reference to Christ. The angel of the Lord. Now, the word Lord is Jehovah. All right? The angel of Jehovah. You could say the angel of the covenant. All right? But here, here's the point that I want you to, to understand. The angel of the Lord is an Old Testament reference for the pre-incarnate Christ. Now, in verse 13, And Moses said unto God, Now, wait a minute. Track with me here. I thought the verse said, the angel of the Lord. Now he's saying unto God, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Hallelujah. See, all of this is playing back to our original point that Jesus was God in the flesh. All right? He, 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 he. Jesus was 100% God and 100% man manifest in the flesh for the redemption of mankind. So he said to God, Behold, I'm come to the children of Israel and say unto them, I come to the children of Israel and say unto them, The God of your fathers has sent me unto you, and they shall say, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said, oh, Wait a minute. We wouldn't hurt this by saying the angel of the Lord said. Because that's who he said was talking to him. And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. That's who you say sent me. And he said, this shall you say unto the children of Israel. I am hath sent me unto you. And God said moreover to Moses, 
This shall be my name. Under the children, of, then shall you say to the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, hath sent me unto you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial unto all generations. Now, notice Christ not only traveled with the children of Israel, he actually went forth and met with Moses to get Israel's deliverance started. He didn't just travel with them. He was there at the very beginning to get the deliverance going, to get the deliverance started. And he said, you tell them that I am sent you. So the I am who spoke with Moses was Christ himself. Hallelujah. In John chapter 8, in John chapter 8, Jesus makes some statements concerning this. John chapter 8 and verse 24. Jesus is dealing with uh, some of the religious leaders of his day. And he said in verse 24, I said therefore unto you that you shall die in your sins. For you, if you believe not that I am. Now notice something very important the word he is in italics in the king james bible now this is important because those words in italics were not there in the original language and why this is important is this is is the translators placed those words there for clarification now sometimes they do help clarify but sometimes they cause us to miss an important point. All right? It says, I said therefore unto you, the King James says, that you shall die in your sins. For if you believe not that I am he, you shall die in your sins. Now, but understand, if you read it the way it was written originally, for if you believe not that I am. If you don't believe I am. If you don't believe I am the I am, you shall die in your sins. Then said they unto him, Who are you? And Jesus said, Even the same that I said unto you from the beginning. Even the same that I said to you from the beginning. Now verse 28. Then said Jesus unto them, When you've lifted up the Son of Man, then you shall know that I am, hallelujah, and that I do nothing of myself, but as the Father hath taught me, I speak these things. Verse 56, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Then said the Jews to him, you're not yet 50 years old, and you have seen Abraham? See, it's a question. You're not even 50 years old, and you're telling us you've seen Abraham? Notice, Jesus said, truly I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. So out of Jesus' own mouth, here's what we're seeing. This interaction ended with people wanting to kill Jesus because he identified himself as the I am. 
All right, the end of this verse, verse 59, says they took up stones to cast at him. Why? They understood that he was claiming to be the one that spoke to Moses through the burning bush, and in their minds, that was blasphemy. All right? Notice what he said. He he asked them, he said, uh, in one place, well, we'll read it in John chapter 10 in just a moment. They asked him, uh, Jesus asked him, for what good work? are you wanting to kill me for? And they said, it's not for any work that you've done, it's for blasphemy because you've called yourself God. All right? Now, they understood that he was claiming to be the one that spoke to Moses. These religious people knew the Scriptures, and they clearly recognized that Jesus was appropriating relative, relative to himself the very name that God gave himself when Moses asked God about his identity. Who shall I say sent me? I am that I am. Tell them the I am sent you. I am. I just, I am. I am whatever you need me to be. Amen. Have you ever, have you ever thought about those statements that Jesus made? He made I am statements. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. In other words, I am whatever you need me to be. I am truth. I am the way. I am the life. I am the bread of life. I am the Son of God. Hallelujah. All these different things that Jesus said, that he said, I am. Hallelujah. In John chapter 10, verse 31. John chapter 10. And verse 31, then the Jews took up stones to stone him. Well, it says they took up stones again. (laughs) That's some stoning people. They took up stones again to stone him. And Jesus answered them, many good works have I showed you from my Father. Which of these works, for which of these works do you stone me? And And notice, notice what they said. The Jews answered him, saying, for a good work, we don't stone you, but for blasphemy. And because that you, being a man, make yourself God. Now let me, let me say something here that has a modern day uh, connection. This is the problem that people still have with Jesus. Well, he was a good man. We talked about that some last week. Well, he was a good man, but he wasn't God. And see, that's why they relegate Jesus to the same uh, uh, status as a prophet, as a teacher, right? As a, uh, I've heard people talk about how he was a humanitarian. Well, Jesus was a prophet, and he was a teacher, and he did care about people, but he was God. He was God. Amen. See, when the Bible says in 1 John that uh, every spirit that doesn't confess that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. Well, well, why is that? Because if Jesus did not come and listen, what John is saying is the devil will never admit that God came in the flesh. Because that signaled his defeat. We talked about it the other Sunday. 
The Bible says for this reason, for this purpose, the Son of God was manifest in the flesh that he might destroy the works of the devil. The devil doesn't want to admit that his works have been destroyed, but they have been. Why? Because God, the I am, was manifest in the flesh. And his works were destroyed. If he was, they were. And he was, so they were. They were destroyed. Not will be destroyed, were destroyed. When? When God became flesh. When God became man. When the I am not just clothed himself in flesh, but became flesh in the womb of Mary, the I am came into the earth and destroyed the works of the devil. Glory to God. And, and so the problem that people even still have today is relegating Jesus to this position as just being a good man, just being a good teacher, and not looking at him as God. He's pre-existed forever, throughout eternity, as God. Now, they just could not wrap their minds around the fact that the eternal God had become human and was living among them. All right? Even though they had the Scripture to back it up. Think about that. They were looking for the Messiah, and the Messiah was in their midst. They had the Scripture to back it up. And because it wasn't how they thought it should be, they couldn't put their mind around it. They couldn't comprehend that the great I Am, who had appeared to Moses, was living and walking among them. Because according to other scriptures we know from the New Testament, their mindset was more on who he was in his natural humanness than who he was as God. Another theophany in Joshua chapter 5. Joshua chapter 5. And uh, verse 13. This is when uh, Joshua and the children of Israel had went over into the promised land. And they're preparing to uh, besiege Jericho. And verse 13 says, And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho, that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said, Are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, No, but as the captain of the host of the Lord am I now come. And Joshua fell on his earth, on his face to the earth, and did worship him, and said unto him, What says my Lord 
to his servant. And the captain of the Lord's host said to Joshua, Loose your shoe from off your foot, for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. Now, the man was the Son of God, the eternal Word. Now, we know this for one reason, because notice, it says Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship. Remember last week's message? Last Wednesday, that there's no record of an angel in the Bible or of a godly man allowing people to worship them. Never, never happened. All right? So this, I've heard people say, well, this was an angel. No, because Joshua worshipped him. All right? This is important. Because we, we got to know who this is. This is the captain of the Lord's host. Woo, glory. Amen. This is the captain of the Lord's host. And notice Jesus. He's there with his sword drawn. Hallelujah. And, and, and Joshua says, are you for us or are you against us? And he said, he said listen, listen. As captain of the Lord, Lord's host, I am come. In other words, Joshua, you've got more than just natural help on your side. You've got the armies of the host of heaven on your side, and I have personally shown up to make sure this goes the way it's going to go. Oh, glory be to God. Amen. Remember when, when the, prophet, the prophet's servant was out and he was doing his work? And he looked up in the, in the hills, and he saw the enemy forces, and they all had him surrounded. And he went and told the prophet, he said, oh my goodness. He said, look, we're, we're surrounded. And the prophet prayed and said, Lord, open his eyes that he may see that there is more with us than there is against us. And it says he opened, that his spiritual eyes were open, and he looked up in the hills round about him, and that he saw chariots of fire and the Lord's host, and he wasn't worried anymore because there was more with them than there was against them. Glory be to God. Jesus showed up personally to direct, to direct the activities of the spiritual host that was there. If the captain of the Lord's host is there, then the host that he's the captain of is there. Oh, glory be to God. Amen. Now, the second reason we know this was the Lord, Jesus, is in Joshua chapter 6, verse 2. It says, And the Lord said unto Joshua, The Lord said, Now that word Lord is the word Jehovah. So again, we have Jehovah said, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now see, let me explain something. This is where uh, people miss it, because they, they shy away from this, because they don't want to appear to be a oneness, uh, uh, to have a oneness doctrine or a oneness theology. You don't have a oneness doctrine or a oneness theology, because notice, in, in, in verse uh, 14, 
he says, I'm the captain of the host of Jehovah. So we know, all right, that this is a being, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we know this is a being that eternally exists as God, yet in a separate person. And then in verse 2, the Lord said, so see, the conversation hasn't changed. They're still having this conversation. It says, remember it left off here? Take off your shoe from your foot, for the place you stand is holy. And Joshua did. Well, it didn't just leave us there. It goes on with the conversation in verse 2. And the Lord said, the Lord said when? After Joshua took his shoes off. The Lord said, Jehovah said, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Oh, hallelujah. See? He's working. He's, he's, he's operating. He has action before his physical manifestation in the earth. Glory to God. In Philippians chapter 2. This is a familiar verse. What I'm trying to do throughout this message is to show you the pre-existence of Jesus. He's always existed with the Father. He's always been a part of the operation of the Father's system. Always. All right? In Philippians chapter 2, verse 6, speaking of Jesus, who being in the form of God did not think it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took on him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. One translation says, he poured himself out to fill a vessel brand new, a servant in form and a man indeed the very likeness of humanity. The very likeness of humanity. And so he has always existed, and we've seen where he existed as the angel of the Lord in the burning bush. Uh, he existed as the rock that followed the people of Israel throughout the wilderness. Uh, he existed as the captain of the Lord's host when he was dealing with Joshua. There are other theophanies that we see throughout the word. He existed as the son of God in the fiery furnace with the three Hebrew children. Nebuchadnezzar looked and he said, didn't we throw three men in the fire? They said, yes. He said, then why do I see four men up and walking around and the fourth one looks just like the Son of God? Hallelujah. I've, I've, had, I've heard of theologians trying to say, well, you know, Nebuchadnezzar wouldn't have known what the Son of God looked like. And that, you know, that wasn't the Son of God. It was an angel. But the problem with that is when you read and you study the word son in Daniel chapter 3, you know what the word son means? Son. Son. That's all it means. Son. It was the son of God. Well, now I know this seems elementary, but who's the son of God? Especially in the Old Testament. Who was the son of God? Jesus has always been the son of God He's always existed with the Father as the Son. Amen. 
as the Word, as God. So, so we, we see his activities. And notice, notice these things. The, the, the three Hebrew children are cast into the fiery furnace, and who shows up to deliver them? Jesus. Glory to God. Amen. And, and the Bible says that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. What does that mean? That means no matter what you're going through, the Son of God is right now personally on your case, working on it, making a way right now in the name of Jesus. Right now. And you might feel like you're going through the fire. Let me tell you, in the words of a song my wife used to sing after she first got saved, he is still in the fire. You are not going to go through anything and Jesus just sit on the sidelines and watch you go through it. The Bible says that he's actively involved in our lives and actively involved in what we're dealing with. Jesus is right now at the right hand of the Father making a difference in your situation. He's always been active and he will always be active. Glory be to God. Woo. John chapter 13. John chapter 13, verse 1. This says, now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own that were in the world, he loved them unto the end. Verse 3, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, Notice, and that he was come from God and went to God. So Jesus prepared to have the Last Supper, and he knew his hour had come. Now notice what it says, to what? To depart out of this world and return to the Father. Return to the Father. And he knew that the Father had given him authority over everything. And notice, verse 3, and that he had come from God and would return to God. There's something interesting here as a little aside. You know, Jesus said on the cross, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now think about this for a moment. You know, I've, I've heard lots of discussion about that and lots of, uh, you know, opinion. But it goes back to John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with, 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 face to face. Face to face, turned towards each other. The Father and the Son have always been, and they have always been together. Always been and always been together. This is important. On the cross, he said, why have you forsaken me? For the first time ever in his eternal existence, 
the son was not face to face with the father. First time ever. And Jesus knew he had to depart out of this world and go back to the father. Now, why is this so important? (laughs) Because when you were in sin, you were completely disconnected from the Father. And had you known that you were completely disconnected from the Father, it would have caused the same response from you as came from Jesus. Why have you forsaken me? Jesus who eternally existed with the Father, became separated from the Father, and here's the key, so that we could be eternally united with the Father. Hallelujah. In John chapter 17 and verse 5, notice what Jesus said. Now, Father, glorify you, glorify thou me with your own self, with the glory that I had with you before the world was. Hallelujah. The glory I had with you before the world was. See, the pre-existence of Jesus is unquestionably taught in Scripture. And even though he was manifest in the flesh in Bethlehem, he existed eternally with the Father and with the Holy Spirit from eternity past. That's why Micah said his goings forth are from the paths of eternity. He's always existed he's always been active hallelujah and what we don't want to miss is that that is how he what he has always done and what he has always been and that's what he'll always be hallelujah his birth did not mark his origin he was born in the flesh in bethlehem But that's not where he originated from. He originated from heaven. Where he had been eternally, eternally present and eternally eternally active in God's plan for mankind and God's plan for the people that he so greatly loved. Amen? Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for this understanding. Lord, this comprehension of the fact that Jesus has always existed with the Father and that Jesus has always been active, moving, functioning in the lives of your people. And we thank you in this season, Lord, this season of Advent, this season when we are rejoicing in the birth of Christ, that we realize that, yes, He came and was born in a stable and in a manger in Bethlehem, but that was not his origin. He has always been and will always be God. And he was manifest 
in the flesh so that he could save his people from their sins. And Father, we thank you for it in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. If you need prayer for anything whatsoever, we have uh, 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 associate ministers there that can help you and pray with you. If you would like prayer, uh, they'll come to the altar at this time. And if you would like prayer, you can come up and they will pray with you and they'll believe with you and uh, uh, believe that God will touch and turn that situation in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, let's stand up tonight, shall we? Oh, God is so good to us.